Last words can be powerful things. I believe I've mentioned repeatedly that I lost an older brother a number of years ago. We were both living in Illinois at the time, but he suddenly passed away of a heart attack while he was on vacation in Michigan. It was my job to go and get my sister-in-law and bring her back uh, from uh, this tragic incident. And on the ride home, she asked me, would you please preside over the funeral and give the message? A daunting task. Last words can be powerful things. The next morning, middle of the night, three o'clock, the Lord woke me up with a few of the last words I heard my brother say. Red, right, returning. Now that may not mean much to many of you, but if any of you are sailors here, you understand that. That's marine terminology for what you're supposed to do when you're coming back into a port and you keep the red light on the right while you're returning. I used the image of my brother as a lighthouse, which fit very well. He was a tall, tall guy. I'm the shortest one in my family. And uh, he was like a lighthouse. He was a welcomed sight. Uh, this red right returning really describes what a lighthouse does, what it means, and that for which it stands. Peter was a welcome sight to uh, most people. He was an indicator of direction uh, as he was uh, very outspoken in his faith at work and through some of the evangelistic outreaches he was a part of. And also... He represented something way beyond himself in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But as I shared that and I was preparing, I could imagine what people would be thinking during that service. Yeah, but lighthouses don't move. See, your analogy breaks down. They're always there. Just a matter of weeks before his passing, my wife and I had been in Chatham, Massachusetts on a 20th anniversary getaway. Uh, that's a beautiful part of Cape Cod. And there, uh, there was a lighthouse, and we went to tour that lighthouse. And they told us, as, just as you were telling us about the lighthouse, they said, now on your way up the lighthouse, look out the second window, and you'll see to the right a large concrete platform where there used to be a lighthouse. And we're very proud of that because it used to be our lighthouse, but it was needed farther up uh, the, the Cape of Cape Cod, and so it was moved. And it became the Nauset Lighthouse. And to this day, if you buy Cape Cod chips or anything that has Cape Cod on them, that's the Nauset Lighthouse. Sometimes lighthouses have to be moved. For a long time after that, we received letters about the power of those last words. Pictures were painted of lighthouses in his memory. And the story of the lighthouse that was moved actually is being told around the world as just one more loving illustration of our good God. Why do I share this story with you? Because last words can be very powerful. And because our author's last words in this letter to the Hebrews 
are what we need to go to to take our relationships with each other to the next level. We're looking at chapters 6 through 13 and taking our Christian walks to the next level. And the first thing we talked about was receiving the promise of God in order that we would be changed. But we got to make sure that this isn't about us. The change is about us as the Lord, well, as we heard this morning, testified through these young girls that, that there's a need and that need is found in Him and our faith must be in Him and then, then it isn't about us anymore. It's about what He wants to do through us to accomplish that same thing in many other people's lives. And so we had to now move from receiving what God wants us to receive to relationships. And the first of those is most important. And of course, that's our relationship with Christ. And we've spent a few weeks, a couple of weeks talking about that, that He be absolutely unique, that He be enough, that He be worthy of all we are, all we have and all we do. But now, we move to the next group of relationships, and that's with others. And that's why we have to go to chapter 13, actually. So, you got to flip all the way to the back of the book to look at these this author's last words. You see, because the last thing I want is for this to be some kind of a pep talk by Ziggy Ziglar or uh, you know Andrew Carnegie. I don't want us to just get along. I want us to go beyond in our relationships with each other. And that's what the Lord wants. The author mentions a number of relationships in this passage, and I'm, I'm putting them in three different groups. Brothers and partners, strangers and prisoners, followers and leaders. So notice the final formula that I have here. The last words of Hebrews, that's chapter 13. A spiritual blessing is greater than any human wish. And his last words, which are Scripture, are going to frame our practical application of this relationship issue between ourselves. So let me read some of the last words of this author. Chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, in this, we see three things that God is. Declared in these verses, they're going to help us with our relationships. And they're so obvious. And you can see that because I've underlined them in the passage that you can see on the screen. The God of peace. May the God of peace. Right? The, the great shepherd. The great shepherd of the sheep. And our glorious Lord through Jesus Christ to whom be glory. Now, how can, how can this help us? Well, the God of peace is going to help us with our relationships as brothers and partners. The great shepherd will help us with our relationships with strangers and prisoners. And then our glorious Lord will help us with our relationship as leaders and followers. See, I told you this was going to take a few weeks, right? So, uh, take it one bite at a time. The first thing I want us to notice and to recognize is this God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the God of peace. And He'll help us with our relationships as brothers and partners. And again, I want this to be about Him. So let's, let's understand what this God of peace concept is all about. What does it mean that He's the God of peace? 
Well, first of all, we want to notice that God brings peace. May the God of peace. To go to another passage, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the source of true peace. And we all want that, right? Of course we do. What does every applicant for a um, beauty pageant want when she's interviewed? World peace. Right? And you all want that too, because uh, when we were on our work day uh, a couple weeks ago, and so many of you showed up, yay, did such a great job, so much work done, you're working real hard, and these guys are so organized around here, Will and Scott and everything, put it all together, they had these guys that were just um, need fillers. Their job was just to go around and say, what do you need, you know? So Alex Toya was one of these. And so he would come, he'd, and he came up, you know, he kept coming around, he kept coming around, he came to me several times. What do you need? Anything you need? So imagine after a second, third time, you know, he started to get some great responses from people, you know. Um, I, I, got a, I got a record. Um, mental health. Uh, somebody wanted that. A fat-free skim milk cappuccino, you know, called a why bother. Um, million dollars in gold bullion. You know, somebody wanted that. Knee pads. <laughs> somebody wanted some knee pads. Um, they wanted a song, Oh Sole Mio. So I understand uh, Alex or somebody sang the song, you know. All kinds of, um, here's one, who would have ever asked for this? A perfect understanding of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Um, that was mine. Alex has yet to, uh, to come back with an answer on that. But what was on the top of the list? Yeah, world peace. Who's the source of peace? God Himself, and how did it happen? And this is what eludes us so often. Peace came by pain and promise. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant. Why does peace exist spiritually? Because a war was won. Blood was shed to pay a price that had to be paid. God is good and He provides forgiveness for those who believe freely through grace. He keeps His promise. But that gift came at the ultimate price being paid by the Creator of this world. We celebrated the Lord's table last week because of its profound significance. And we talk a lot about grace around here, and, and as we should, but we never want to forget the deadly cost it carried, the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant. And that price was paid through the Prince of Peace brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. This is personality attached. This, the source of peace is a person, not a process. Could it be there that we're Failing in this world to find peace in the Middle East because we're trying to follow a process and every administration's got a new one? Peace is found through a person, not a process. And this is essential to understand. So let me show you what that looks like in relationship with others. 
in these uh, two relationships I bring out this morning. As brothers and sisters, we see in verse 1 and then 9 and 16. But verse 1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers, as brothers and sisters. This is relationship. This is about people over place. Another thing that Rebecca put in her homework um, about why she wanted to be baptized, she put in there, I want to do this because it identifies me with those of the same faith in Christ. Alone. She's such a good job with that. Baptism isn't just about my faith in Christ, it's my faith together with all those too that claim the same allegiance to Jesus Christ. And then verses 9 through 16. Let's read these verses um, because we're kind of walking in on a, on a family discussion. I'll explain that in a minute. Chapter 13, verses 9 through 16. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which uh, those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now, these verses are filled with things, actually, that I think elude us because we don't have this Jewish background of what's going on here. We understand some things. We've talked about the holy place inside the temple that only the high priest could go, and it refers to that. Not everybody can go there. And it was all a symbolism uh, wrapped up in that particular place. And, and rightly so, until Christ was crucified, that was the symbol of God's presence. But then the veil was torn, remember, from top to bottom. That was opened up, and now all of a sudden that place didn't have significance as much as the access to God Himself, we had directly through Jesus Christ, through the person, once again. And then there's this thing about these ceremonial, uh, strange teachings and, and, and ceremonial foods. Well, what is that all about? And, and, and then this idea that the bodies after the sacrifice were taken outside the city. Well, there was this huge ravine outside of uh, Jerusalem where all the refuse of the city actually was thrown. It was the garbage dump and, and the carcasses of these uh uh, sacrifices, among other things, were put there, and it was a smoldering thing. But I mean, this was like my coming to your house for dinner, and and you taking me down to the garbage cans to hang around and chat and have hors d'oeuvres. You know, this is where you don't go. This is where the garbage goes. And and, and we notice here that Jesus was out there, and, and we're supposed to go out there. Well, what is this all about? Let me see if I can sum it up this way. To be in relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ is to make it about people and not a place. Uh, follow me, verses 9 all the way through the passage. First of all, in verse 9, there's strange teaching, ceremonial foods. This is about a place and stuff. But he says right after that, these have no value to those who eat them. It's about people. 
Then in verse 10, it's not about the tabernacle. He talks about this tabernacle. We have something else. It's about us, interestingly enough. And the context would tell us that that's about the cross. And Jesus going outside the city. It's alluding to that, of course. Then in verse 11, this holy priest goes into this high place, this holy place. Verse 12 then says, Jesus suffered outside to make not a place holy, but people holy. Then in verse 13, he tells us to go to that garbage heap and identify ourselves with Him, the one who was outside of the city. We identify with a person, not a place. And then in verse 14, he talks about, we don't have this holy city. This is a temporary thing here. We look beyond this place. Verse 15, through Jesus, a person. We offer praise to Him. We confess a name of a person. And then he says in verse 16, don't forget the sacrifices that really please God. To do good. To be sharing with other people. And this is a big deal around here. Church isn't about a building. It's about people. Going to church isn't about attending a function. It's about interacting with people. Following God is not about doing things. It's about getting to know Him. Living the Christian life is about a person, Jesus Christ, and it means being in personal relationship with all those who walk, walk with Him as well. It's about people. That's why we've talked to you about gathering, serving, and learning. But if you remember the diagram, those are around the concept of developing people. Because this is about people. The body of Christ, even the image, speaks to that of a person. And the body of Christ is made up of people. And I'm going to apply that in a bit. But the, uh, the, the author goes on to talk about not just people, but also partners. And this is verses 4, 5, and 6. And I see at least three partnerships here. Uh, maybe there's a whole lot more, but... Verse 4, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God would judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, and I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? And I see some partnerships here. They go beyond just some kind of initial relationship with other people. First of all, there's the marital relationship. And the NIV actually softens this. It says marriage should be. It's actually an imperative. It says, let marriage be held in honor. And we must make uh, these essential and important in terms of our uh, people developing and our commitment to relationships being about the caring for other individuals, this too shows our commitment to this. And this relationship, really, above all others, because from here, society goes. We're walking with God as couples the way we're supposed to be. Then, of course, our children find that example, one they can follow, and, and then we perpetuate what God wants to do. And we honor God in it. But it isn't about you and that person. Bring God into the picture. In fact, I, when I often... Uh, when I sit with people that are getting married, I, I, I always, not often, I always use this example. You two want to get married. You just think the other one is the cat's meow. You know, it's just a riot to see how blind we are in our love at that point in time, right? And then, you know, reality hits. 
Well, what do we do when reality hits? You see, you got to understand, this relationship with each other, which God ordains, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a triangle, it's not a line. When you understand that your relationship primarily is to be with the God who gave you that person, and you grow closer to that God, what happens? You grow closer to that person. When you try and make this about what it's all about, there's always stuff that breaks that up. But if you commit yourself to Him and your relationship with that person to Him, then as you grow towards Him, you grow closer to that person. It's just real obvious and it's real true and it's not easy to live. But it's true. And that's why he says here, marital partnership, God will judge. You answer to Him first and foremost about your relationship with your partner. Then I also see a business partnership. I know I'm extrapolating a little bit here, but you notice what he says in verse 5. Just be free from materialism, from the love of money. Uh, Paul himself goes on to say, this is a, in, in 1 Timothy 6, this is a root of all kinds of evil. Contentment must be part of our approach to earning. And so I see a certain amount of application to our lives in business, in our desire to provide for our families and to earn a decent wage. That's appropriate, it's right, but contentment needs to be a part of the picture. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He must be the ultimate provider and the one in which we place our trust. It's interesting that this is a quote, of course, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Those words were given to Joshua. And if you put a business um, model on top of that one, uh, here's Moses, who's been a very successful leader. And he gets them to the point where they're going to go into the promised land. Joshua's going to take over. Imagine trying to follow that act. I mean, a lot of pressure as a leader to be all that he was supposed to be. And what were the Lord's words to him? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Trust me. So even in our business world and our earnings, do we trust God? Is He the one that we're resting in? No, you've got to do your part. He intends for you to work. He's made you capable individuals. He's given you a mind. He's given you the opportunity in this free country to earn. But is He a part of the picture? Are you ever content? Do you work hard and then trust Him for what you have earned and leave the rest? Are there times that conflicts come in business relationships because you think you ought to have earned more? Can we trust God in that situation to be the one who never leaves and forsakes? You see, that's taken our relationships to a whole nother level. Allowing God to be a part of my business life and decisions and, and how I manage and steward other areas of my life that are outside of this building. It's not about the building. It's about people. So, marital relationships, God will judge. The business partnerships, God has said... I will provide. And then there's the God partnership, really. In verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. Am I dependent upon the Lord? Is He my ultimate provider? Do I find my confidence there? He says that. We can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. See, to be in relationship as partners is about making it about God and not about you. God will judge. God has said, the Lord is my helper. The God of peace wants to be the key to our relationships as brothers and sisters, as partners. Well, what does that look like? Now let me apply this 
in a few ways that I hope will help us walk away with something we can do in taking our relationships to the next level. First of all, the source of peace is God, the God of peace. Nowhere to look. Peace is possible. He is the source of peace. Well, the implication there is you can't do this alone. You can't be the husband and the wife that you're supposed to be without depending upon that God of peace to work in and through you what He wants to. Matthew chapter 5, I find it interesting. In the Beatitudes, the Lord says, um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be... I remember? They will be called sons of God. Now, isn't that interesting? If He's the source of peace, and I look to Him, and, and I become a true peacemaker because of all He's done and giving me peace with Him, and then I work out that peace with other people, I end up being called a son of God. Why? Because I'm identified with the one who gives peace. See it? There's an identification with Him because He's the source of peace. Make it about Him. Make it about people. Make it about those who are in relationship with Him. You will treat someone differently if you focus on them as one who is loved by God. Right? I remember... The first time I was convicted about the things I said in the car when people cut me off. I've been convicted many times since, of course, but I remember when, when that struck me so deeply living in Brooklyn. It happened a lot there. When the a thought occurred to me that I was cursing, and you know, I wasn't actually cursing, but you know, I, I wasn't thinking nice things about the person. So, in essence, you know. I was cursing someone God loved and died for. Well, you know, when, I, I, I know, whatever. You know, when you really focus on that and allow that to influence the way you see everyone that comes across your path, well then, you start to treat people differently and your relationships with others go to another level. Make it about Him and people that God loves. So, the source of God is peace. Know where to look and look to Him for that kind of perspective. Secondly, the price for peace is real. So, pay the price of peace. Peace didn't come without a price, therefore it's not maintained without a price. Make the sacrifices He talks about in verse 16. The good and sharing as gifts that are pleasing to others. You will do more for others when you focus on the price that God paid to give them peace, whether they've accepted it or not. Finally, the way to peace is a person. So focus on the giver of peace. We can't do this on our own. He's not just our example of how to walk. He's the source of all we need to walk with Him. We answer to Him. We must count on Him. We must depend upon Him. You will find greater ability to live out your relationships as you want, as He wants you to, as you depend upon the one called Peace, the Prince of Peace. So, the Prince of Peace can help us in these particular ways in our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, in our partnerships that we must live in in this world that we walk. 
Last words can be a powerful, powerful thing. And that's why I wanted us to go here because in chapter 13, to take our relationship to a whole other level, this author leaves us with some powerful things to say about how we treat each other. And we've just talked about two of them today. We'll come back to some more in the next coming weeks. And I share this because I don't want us to just get along. So many times our conversations about relationships end up being about that. Well, we just need to get along better. I want us to go beyond just getting along. God of peace will help us in our relationships as brothers and sisters to make our relationships about people and not a place. And about God and not us. Let's look to this source for His grace to do this in the week to come. Heavenly Father, by Your grace, we stand in any kind of position before You to walk this Christian walk. And so we look to You as the source of what we need in terms of peace to build our relationships and take them to another level. Give us the grace, Lord Jesus, to make it about You, to focus on You, to see everyone around us the way You do, and to pay the price necessary, the personal sacrifices, that show themselves in, in humility, in care, concern, love, self-effacing humility, demonstrating that we truly are children of God, the source of our true peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.